Sefer Shmot, Parshat Bo on reparations for slavery and injustice. Parshat Bo, meaning go, begins, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, and then continues telling the story of the Israelites finding freedom from Egyptian slavery. In this Parsha, in this Torah portion, we see the final three plagues, locusts, darkness, choshech, and death of the firstborn. It also recounts God's institution of Pesach, of Passover. After the 10th plague, the 10th Makkah, Paro at long last lets the Israelites go, at which point they leave carrying their unleavened dough, their kneading bowls, and some items that often get overlooked, treasures that belonged to the Egyptians, Exodus chapter 12 reads, Uvenei Yisrael asu kirvar Moshe v'yish'alu m'nitzrayim k'lei kesef u'k'lei zahav u'smalot. The Israelites had done Moses' bidding and borrowed from the Egyptians objects of silver and gold and clothing. V'adonai natan et chen ha'am be'enei mitrayim v'yashilum and the Lord had disposed the Egyptians favorably toward the people, and they let them have their request. Thus, they stripped the Egyptians. The classical commentators don't say much about the meaning of these objects, but one way to view them is as reparations for the Israelites' enslavement. And we can use this interpretation to inform our understanding of how we live in America and can do our best to pursue justice for the descendants of slaves today. Part of the indignity of slavery is that those held captive and robbed of all they owned. And in the time of Yosef, the Jews had many possessions living as strangers in Egypt. In bondage, they lost all of that, not to mention payment for their labor. The reparations the Israelites took in response to that are at the command of God. It is the Rabboni Sha'olam. It is God who in Shemot 11, Exodus 11, commands them to ask for the items. And it's God who disposed the Egyptians to comply with their request. Rabbi Arya Bernstein, who works with the Jewish social justice organization Avodah, wrote on this section of Exodus in a Medium article in 2018. He wrote, this taking of reparations was not castigated as dishonest plundering or sinful vindictiveness, nor even as an optional bonus, but rather as a required component of liberation. On the eve of the Exodus, just before the slaying of the Egyptian firstborn, God explicitly commanded the Israelites to take reparations. Bernstein goes on to explain that these reparations aren't just a passing part of the Exodus narrative, but a promise God made to Abraham himself much earlier in Parshat Lech Lecha, when God told him, know well that your offspring shall be strangers in a land, not theirs, and they shall be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will execute judgment on the nation they shall serve, 
And in the end, they shall go free with great wealth. And in Devarim, Deuteronomy, the Torah provides a more explicit outline for what must be provided to freed slaves. The person needs to be given the resources necessary to sustain themselves on their own. It says, when you set him free, do not let him go empty-handed. Furnish him out of the flock, threshing floor and vat, with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Bear in mind that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I enjoin you this commandment upon you today. It's noteworthy that this practice was set to take place during the sabbatical year, the Shemitah year, which is the year that we're currently in. Of course, servitude of this kind is very different from the slavery that's plagued the United States. And this commandment addresses the problem of the individual slave being able to become independent, not the long lasting impact of mistreatment for generations and generations after the person's freedom. Still, this law illustrates that freedom from the forced labor is not enough. If people are let go, but without economic and social mobility, they cannot truly actualize that freedom. The writer Ta-Nehisi Coates actually uses this devouring passage as the preface to his famous 2014 piece in the Atlantic, the case for reparations. And Coates, after showing extensively how discrimination in housing policy has an effect caused lasting theft against black communities, summarizes his argument by writing, destruction did not end with the slavery. Discriminatory laws join the equal burden of citizenship to unequal distribution of its bounty. These laws reached their apex in the mid 20th century when the federal government through housing policies engineered the wealth gap, which remains with us to this day. When we think of white supremacy, we pictured colored only signs, but we should picture pirate flags. Today, friends, God does not force the hands of dominant populations to affect economic justice for those who've been taken advantage of. Instead, it is our responsibility to have the moral clarity to enact the will of God using the values with which we've been endowed. Reparations are not then a present to one portion of the population at the expense of another. They aim to correct a wrong whose disastrous effects echo in society down the decades. It's not a punishment on the current taxpayers, it is an acknowledgement and attempted correction of a collective debt. Of course, real world solutions are messy and addressing injustice is a complicated matter. There are some relatively recent efforts we can examine as case studies though. Germany, to much controversy, paid reparations for the Holocaust, primarily to the state of Israel. South Africa, on the other hand, opted against reparations in response to the tragedy of apartheid, instead of embracing a truth and reconciliation process. Mandela and others wanted the country to move forward and heal 
and they felt a reparations policy would be moving backward. Despite current social movements such as Black Lives Matter, bringing the issue of reparations to the forefront, no significant legislation on this challenge has been made meaningful progress nationally. And just as many Jews resisted financial payments for the Holocaust, not wanting to minimize the infinite cost of human loss and suffering by being paid off in mere money, some descendants of enslaved people might feel the same way. But the lesson of the Exodus story and Tanakh overall is that justice ultimately has to come for all people, especially those who have been kept down. One potential answer within the realm of justice we learn from this Parsha is reparations as a model. In this world, we can never achieve perfect justice as countless wrongs can never be corrected. Nonetheless, we have a duty to do our part to pursue it. God bless and Shabbat Shalom.